Welcome to the McGuire Iron Podcast. My name is Brian Cooper. I am the Director of Business Development and Marketing at McGuire Iron and your host for this podcast. At McGuire Iron, we've been helping to store and protect quality water for over 100 years. On this episode, we will discuss training, certifications, infrastructure, and the future of corrosion protection with the CEO of the Association for Materials Protection and Performance, Bob Chalker. AMP is the world's leading organization focused on the protection of assets and performance of materials. AMP was created when NACE International and SSPC united after more than 145 combined years of corrosion control and protective coatings expertise, and since to members worldwide. Today, AMP is active in more than 130 countries and has more than 40,000 members. AMP is headquartered in the United States with offices in Houston, Texas and Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Additional offices are located in the UK, China, Malaysia, Brazil, and Saudi Arabia with a training center in Dubai. Bob earned his MBA at Oakland University in Rochester, Michigan and completed his bachelor's degree in industrial engineering at the University of Cincinnati. Bob is happily married to his wife, Kim, and they have two grown children, Taylor and Stephen. Bob, thank you for joining us on the McGuire Iron Podcast. Glad to be here. Thank you. All right. We're at SSPC, the last SSPC conference officially. Uh, talk about the event, uh, the planning that went into it, how it's going, and everything that's behind it. Sure, I'd be happy to. You know, this, this event was originally planned for February of 2021, the normal timing of Codings Plus, and, and due to COVID, uh, we had to move it. Uh, and uh, the only options available were now or the week of Thanksgiving. So we chose the week of December, knowing that it was going to have an impact. Uh, here's what I'll say about it. I think it's gone great. The energy's high. You've been here. The energy seems high. People are just, I think, glad to get back to face-to-face -face meetings, spending time with each other, rebuilding relationships. Um, and, uh, you know, all the feedback we're getting is very, very positive. So a lot of this conference has been spent, um, I call it in listening mode, listening to what the members have to say about the merger, about the direction the organization is heading. We had roundtable meetings. We had focus groups. Uh, we had uh, updates on all the various activities where members could come in and hear what's going on. And then the technical programs that normally happen at Codings Plus and the exhibits and all the, the social events and all the normal things. So it was a full week. It, it definitely was a full week. Talk about the in-person training, something you guys haven't been able to do like this in a while. How nice is it to have those trainings back in person and have the students back in there and ready to learn yeah, and it's, get it's, certificates? It's awesome, right? So actually, we have been back to in-person training. Um, interesting enough, we went back to in-person training in June of 2020 Okay, with very, very strict protocols and safety protocols. We did, um, actually, when we first started doing it, we were doing quarter uh, size classes, meaning if a classroom would typically be 20, it was five. Um, but we got back to the in-person training very uh, pretty early and have maintained it here in the U.S. and really around the world, um, but clearly not in the same mode, right? There was that element that I almost call it like a blanket laid over us of COVID. Lots of extra protocol, people not comfortable with each other and keeping space. Um, so it, but it is great to get back to where the, the students and the instructors are able to interact uh, in person. I will say this, the, the online training is not going away. I mean, it's, it's been very positively received for those who don't want to travel or can't travel um, or, you know, can't be away from their job for that long of a period of time. 
or the boss doesn't want them away from the job that long of a time. Uh, you know, the on or the online version is um, what we're seeing is registrations about 50 50. And about half the people say, I want to be in person, and about half are taking advantage of the online training. But for us, it's just great to have names and faces and people back together again. Now, talk about the training, the certifications. You know, when you and I talked on the podcast last, you guys were still in that mode of looking at the QP1, the CIP programs, and like, okay, what is this going to look like when we come out of this as one organization? Where is that process right now, and where are you going still? That's a great question, and we're, you know, a big part of this week was providing updates on that. So starting with education and certification, um, the from a coatings inspection program, the CIP program will continue forward. There are going to be some uh, changes. If you looked at the NACE inspector program and the SSPC, there was a lot of overlap, but there were some things that weren't overlap. There okay. were some things that NACE taught that SSPC didn't and vice versa. Um, there were some other elements also, that even though we're going forward with the CIP, which would have come out of, out of the NACE roots, there were some things that SSPC did really well. So we now have a plan in place to integrate the two. We'll be rolling that out between now and April. Still the same advice. If you've got a certification, keep it. Keep it up to date. We're going to be putting a transition plan to make this as painless as possible. Um, there is the potential that there will be some form of, I don't know if it's going to be online learning or what, but if you have the SSPC, certification you may have to take some additional learning to meet the new one or also if you had the NACE one because we may bring we're going to well, may we will bring some learning out of the SSPC one but there's going to be a like a bridging that needs to occur um, we're going to make it as painless as possible um, but the CIP will go forward and and we will continue to use the NACE brand on it and the main reason for that is that certification is specified in regulations and standards and company specifications and laws around the world. And you go messing with the name, and all of a sudden, people don't know what you're talking about. So you walk in with your AMP card, and they say, well, you need to have NACE. So we're, for standards and, frankly, for, uh, for, excuse me, for certifications and for standards, we're going to do, we're going to keep the branding. How many people does this affect? How many people, when you say the SSPC and the CIP program that NACE had, how many people with those certifications are we talking about? So I'm going to put it in context, um, and somebody may correct me if I'm wrong, because I, it, it, the number does continue to grow. But I believe with the CIP and, and the NACE, we are probably talking about 30,000 people. Okay. Um, yeah, NACE has over 50,000 active certification holders. I think twenty-five to 30,000 of that is in the coding inspection. And then SSPC had, I think it was somewhere around 10,000. And when this airs and my certification team goes nuts because I totally <laughs> misquoted the numbers, um, we'll get you a correction. <laughs> yeah, right. The biggest thing is just that's a lot of people. It's a lot of people. Yes. It's a lot of people. certification. So like, like Bob said, hang on. They'll have more information for you. The biggest thing too is, is what does this mean for asset owners, people out there in the world that own these assets, pipelines, water tanks, all of these things that these inspectors are out there every day looking at? What does that mean for them? So I think it means a couple things. Number one is the confusion goes away. Do I get use a NACE inspector? Do I use an SSPC inspector? What's the difference between the two? So I think it gets we simplified. I don't know if you heard the keynote speaker at breakfast. She talked about simplifying. This is a great opportunity to simplify. Um, the, uh, the second thing it is, that individual is going to have the full training, right? So I said earlier, 
they, we didn't train exactly the same overlap. Now they're going to have the full training. We'll have a full encompassing program. The other thing that is happening is we are changing the naming of the levels so that they better represent the capabilities of the person who holds the certification. If I tell you, if you're not initiated and I tell you CIP1, what does that mean? Is this the right. highest level person? Is this the, the lowest level person? What do they know? What are they capable of doing? What are they allowed to doing? So we're going to change the. We're going to do some naming changes that be going along with it that better clarify, so the asset owner will be better know what person or what qualifications that person has. I, the other thing I think is um, that we're seeing one of the things we're going to be rolling out probably mid 2022 um, is micro learning. So ongoing education capabilities for not just our ins inspectors, but they will be a big benefactor of it, being able to keep up to date with skills, new technologies, um, or, or just need to get a refresher. And so putting together bite-sized pieces that are going to be available through, I believe it, the way the plan is right now, be available through a phone app. You know, it's like watching a YouTube video or reading a short uh, article out of USA Today or whatever, but it'll be these brief bite-sized pieces. And so because we're not spending a lot of time competing with each other, we're not spending a lot of time, the energy that was wasted of developing and maintaining two programs, we can take all of that now and put new products and services in the marketplace that make our members better at what they do. So that's going to be an advantage to the asset owners. Um, and I think they're just going to feel they're going to have a higher qualified, capable workforce when we're done with this. And I think that's the most important thing is when you're an asset owner, you want the most qualified person possible inspecting your asset because this is all about corrosion protection. Absolutely. And so the, the more knowledge they have and the better they're trained. The better, the better they're going to be able to do that. The more experience they have, the better they're going to be able to do that job. So absolutely. And talk a little bit about, you know, we're seeing all this money influx into infrastructure through ARPA and the infrastructure bill and all this stuff. What is that meaning for your organization, inspectors, corrosion, just the money being spent that wasn't there before? Right. I mean, it's a huge opportunity, right? So um, we're very active on Capitol Hill. Um, we're helping. One of the things that we are really pushing is... Uh, when this money gets ready to be spent, make sure that the people who are doing the work are trained and qualified, that the blasters know what they're doing, that the uh, sprayers, applicators know what they're doing, the inspectors, et cetera, the engineers, make sure they're trained and qualified. And that benefits our members and our, the companies they work for because the people who are members of AMP have made a commitment to that high level of uh, qualification. Um, that's one. The second thing is, I mean, it's a lot of money that's going to be poured into this <laughs> right. industry, right? And so, of course, that's going to create opportunity. There's going to be a lot of construction going on. One of the things that isn't directly related to that, but I also think is going to have a big influence, is the great resignation that we've been hearing about. A lot of people leaving industry, and I'm hearing it from, as I've been walking the halls and talking to owners or, or leaders in companies, where are they going to get the next workforce? And so there's going to be a massive need to train and develop new workers as the uh, current generation moves on, or not even, you know, it's not even an age thing necessarily. It's just people are looking to do something different, whatever their age, and new people come into the workforce. Um, those folks are going to need that training and development and participate in professional societies. One, one of the things I heard more than I, this week, I've heard more than I've ever heard before, is companies recognizing that 
training is a an expense, but also training is an art or a specialty, and and that in and itself, you not only need to know the um, content that you're training, but you need to know how to train so that the training's effective. And so in the past, I think a lot of companies, you know, training cons consisted of putting him out with Joe, who's been doing this job for 30 years, and and let him follow Joe around and you know on the job, hands on. And they're recognizing that that doesn't necessarily develop the best skilled person. That adult learning and how you organize the information and how you present it is as important as the content itself. And so we've been hearing a lot about engaging with our organization um, for that training. And we're seeing it. We're seeing it in our numbers. December, which is normally a slow year for training, has been a phenomenal month. Um, people are registering. In fact, if we have any concern, a little bit is making sure we can meet the capacity or the demand uh, with, with trainers and courses, et cetera. So I think training, companies have started to understand how important training is, and we're going to see a big bump. How is your organization helping um, companies, um, contractors, people like that with this this whole notion of the great resignation outside of training what are the things that your organization is doing to help yeah that's that is is really good so first of all um we one of the i think one of the best things that's going to come out of this merger was the opportunity to reorganize and combine our pre-professional activities so both organizations had forms of scholarships and you know at nace our foundation had the c kit program which went into the um, middle schools and high school level. Um, we had travel stipends to allow people to come to our conference, uh, poster competitions. There were all these things that were at the pre-professional level, but it wasn't well organized. It, at NACE, it was spread out all across the organization. Nobody really owned it. I think it was the same for SSBC. We created Emerge, and, uh, and Emerge is a, we took all of the pre-professional activity we are doing, and we put it underneath the banner of Emerge, um, and we are going to have that. We're going to go to the, um, I'm going to use the term marketplace, but we're going to go to the pre-professional marketplace um, with an organized model. We're also bringing in some new programs. So one of the things I'm really excited about, um, we've, we've had discussions with ABET. ABET is the organization that accredits engineering schools, and they are very interested in AMP being the a professional association that begins to define the profession of corrosion engineering. So that hasn't existed before. We talk about corrosion engineers all the time, but there's only one school today that even offers a degree that you would recognize as corrosion engineering. It's chemical engineers or mechanical engineers or electrical engineers or materials engineers, civils, and they find their way into this field, but it's not a field in itself. So we're going to be working on that, making it, I think, easier and more visible for people to enter had great conversations with the IUPAT union about their apprenticeship programs. They're using our training in their apprenticeship, so they're working very hard to recruit um, new people into the industry. Um, I think that, uh, I think we're going to, we need to do more personally in the fields of like social media, um, TikTok, YouTube, you know, where young people hang out right. and paint this picture. The welding industry has done a phenomenal job of this. They've made welding cool. Right now, welding is cool, and I, I think painting is cool as well. But at the craft level, they've done a really great job. And so they, there's something there for us to model to get our word out um, that to young people in college that the crafts are an alternative. 
to an expensive college education or working at you know McDonald's or Walmart. That there's this thing in the middle where you, with good training, you get great paying jobs with a long, you know, a long run ahead of you because we just talked about the money that's going to be spent here, right? So it's going to be a stable job, um, and that's one I'm not. We got work to do there. We're not doing that well. We don't present ourselves well. Um, to the next generation of workers. And so we're going to spend some time taking what does that look like. I think our chap we have chapters around the world, 130 chapters at the local level. I think they have a huge opportunity to help deliver that message into their local schools, their local communities, that um, this is a great profession. And, and you make a difference, by the way. That's, you know, they talk a lot about the next generation wants jobs that make a difference, jobs that are meaningful to society. Well, keeping a bridge from falling down or... You know, protecting uh, an asset from the uh, so that it doesn't pollute the environment, uh, or creating new paints that are, are environmental friendly, or whatever it is. It could be anything from PhD research work to to craft work. It's a great profession to, uh, from a meaning standpoint as well. Yeah, it's you're spot on with that. I mean, at McGuire Iron, we talk a lot about you know we help protect and store quality water. Yes, which yep. is the essence of life. So it's it's those kind of messaging things that I think really will resonate with that next generation of like, I want to be part of something that is making a difference. Yeah. You know, even, even if you look at the new logo, right? So the new AMP logo, the hexagon logo, it actually has a meaning. It has a message. So you've got the hexagon, which is a a symbol for science. If you look at science, the the hexagon is often used as that symbol. I'm a big Marvel movie fan. Right. Watch Marvel movies and see how often you see hexagons in the background because they're trying to deliver a message that what they're doing is based in science. So science is the hexagon. The circle in the middle represents the world or the globe and the bars represent protection. So protecting the world through science is the, you know, the, what that logo is designed to communicate. And so there's a great message there about, about that. One of the things you're going to be seeing coming out um, after, right after the first of the year is our mission statement, our vision statement, strategic plan, and, and it's going to be just laced full of uh, how we make a difference as an industry and, and a society for, um, for our world. So, so the, both organizations are now combined into one. How has that gone publicly? How, how has that benefited the organization, like you talked a little bit about a little earlier, NACE and SSPC kind of spending a lot of time competing against each other, and now you're able to focus this energy and really make a bigger difference in in the world. What does that look Absolutely. like? Absolutely. So first of all, I, I do address, we did spend a lot of time thinking we were competing against each other, but when you really did the analysis and we did our due diligence, we realized we competed against each other in these two really narrow slices, right? But there were all these other things that both organizations did that were so complementary with each other. Um, so yes, I mean, you always need competition, even if you have to create it, because right. that drives you to get better. So we, we looked at each other as competitors, but the reality was there wasn't much. Um, so a couple of ways. First of all, the, the use of our resources. Uh, instead of building two CIP pro- or coding inspection programs, we build one, and then we take those resources and build new education programs. Uh, we're launching um, programs around several new technologies over the next year. We just approved $400,000 to be spent on new um, training that is would have in the past probably been spent on duplicative efforts, right? So use of resources is a big one. I, the one that I'm seeing, and it's really sort of cool, and we had thought this would be the case. So one of the 
reasons we merged was we felt together we could be the voice of this industry, that we could speak for the industry, and that the outside world would come to us and recognize us as an important resource. And we are starting to see that come to play. Um, Earlier this year, I was invited to, uh, basically it was a one-on-one, it was a one-on-two meeting um, with the Secretary of Transportation, right? So whatever your politics is, set that aside. You know, you, you support uh, Secretary Buttigieg, you don't support him. I don't, that's not what matters. Right. Matter having is a seat we got at the invited table. at the table, right. and I, we were told we wouldn't have gotten that before because they didn't know who to invite. Now they know we're one voice to the table, and, and we're seeing that kind of, um, of benefit for the organization as well. Um, I think it's been very well received in generally by the members. There's still questions. They're still trying to understand it. Um, I would love to find a way to kill the rumor mill. Um, most of the time when somebody uh, um, raises a question or a concern, uh, it's based in a seed of truth that has been uh, wrapped in a lot of innuendo or assumptions or you know the old kids game the telephone, telephone game right? it gets yep. slightly moved uh, changed every time you say it um but we did one of the things i did this week were um we called them round tables but i sat and took members questions for as long as they wanted to talk and as many questions they want and we said we did it on the premise of look i'm not going to try to convince you that what we've done is right i'm not going to argue with you I, I'm going to tell you what happened and why these decisions are made. With the facts, then you can make a good decision of whether it's a positive or negative thing. For the most part, people, once they got the facts, start to say, oh, all right, this makes sense. Now I understand why the name was the name you chose. Now I understand why you're keeping the QP program and not the NICAP program. And so as they start to see the logic and the understanding, in some cases, they said, well, I would have made a different decision on that, but I understand why you did it. All right, well, that's fair. I mean, uh, we're not perfect, and a lot of these decisions weren't black or white. They were gray, right? So, But as people are gaining understanding, we're seeing a, a continuing positive, positive response to the merger. I'm sure everybody's not happy, I and mean, you could probably go out there and find a couple people would be more than glad to tell you how wrong and how screwed up it is. But I'm going to say the mass majority have been been very, very positive. Let's back up a second. Talk about Secretary Buttigieg and your meeting and how how important that is. I think we can't underscore that enough that an organization like yours that speaks for this industry is is having a seat at that table. What does that look like? And as we talk about, like we did before, all of this money that's going to flow into infrastructure and you talk about transportation, whether that's bridges, whether that's water pipe in the ground, water tanks, whatever that is, what does that look like for you guys? And what are the things that you're advocating for at that kind of level? Yeah. So first of all, it looks like a Zoom call. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's one of the advantages of Zoom because literally we got the call and he wanted, they wanted to meet. I wouldn't have been able to fly there to get there in time in the timing that he wanted to meet. He had something pressing. So the Zoom call was a great technology that allowed us to do it. Um, so the things that we were discussing with him, th- this happened shortly after the um, collapse in Surfside, Florida, of the building. So that, although he's not necessarily responsible for housing, that is easily could have been a bridge right. or some other like infrastructure. Like the one in Minneapolis. Like the one on in I-35. Minneapolis, yep. if you're right. So it really opened the door for a discussion about how important maintenance is, right? So, so 
our there is a fallacy in how we treat maintenance as a general rule. It's the thing you kick down the road. We'll take care of that later. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, and I get it. I, I have a, a good friend who is a local, you know, local politician, mayor of a city. He's got to get elected every four years. It's not his, sexy. No. And they don't, his, the people who vote for him don't want to hear, we got to spend $2 million to paint a bridge. Right. Right. That doesn't get you reelected. Um, so you kick it down the road and let the next guy deal with it. And so we, we have this mentality, and that's exactly what happened with Surfside. They didn't want to spend the money. They knew they had a problem, and they ignored it. So it, it opened the door to a great conversation about the importance of ongoing maintenance and taking care of the assets we have. The other thing we talked to them about was, all right, you're going to spend this money. Um, I don't want to sit here and talk about whether you should have spent it or not spent it or whatever, but I'm going to tell you, if you're going to go out and spend all this money to build infrastructure, build it right in the first place. Make sure you know people know what they're doing. You know, be aware of or make sure your engineers are aware of things like dissimilar metals and how materials interact with each other and that coatings isn't just about making it pretty, but it right. actually serves a it's, purpose. It's protecting. And, right, right. And, and the coating itself is a system and you got to have surface prep and things like that. Interesting enough, he was pretty aware of our, our interests. He, uh, when he was in um, his time, I think Gary, Indiana, his offices were really close to a, um, an organization that was in the coatings, and I think it was a union hall, but I don't know that for a fact, but it was painters. It was people who painted. It might have been a company that painted, but I was I was pleased he actually knew about that surface prep was important and some things like that. So he wasn't totally unaware of it, but we really gave, got an opportunity to deliver to him that the questions need to be asked, and, and you, you don't just turn over billions of dollars and think that it's just everybody's going to do the right thing and it's just going to happen. And then the other the other piece of it is uh, opening the door to longer term conversations about um, the role that our industry plays in our society. We talked to them about that these are great jobs, they're well paying, that um, uh, they're sustainable. Um, we talked a lot about the, using the term sustainability. We talked a lot about how this protects the environment, things that are important to his to the administration, and, and you know some of that stuff was new information to him. And he was, I mean, I, th I think he was very impressed. So, and that's great that the organization now has that level of visibility. Yeah, that you can have those conversations with leaders at that level, and they're ready to listen, wanting to understand. And that's a great benefit to your members. Yep. You know, it, um, the other thing I should have said, we were supposed to talk to him for 20 minutes and we went almost an hour. So he was interested. He stayed with us. Um, I think that's where the brand helps or the naming and the brand helps us too. Um, corrosion. Uh, but when you start talking about protection and performance, that's a positive. That's, you know, if you think of it as motion and moving, that's moving forward. That's a, and I think that also helps. It, it sticks with people in a way that um, maybe the prior names really didn't, and they, they didn't have meaning. But now his team, I think they remember who we are. Our, one of the things we hope is that somewhere down the road, if they got a question, we're the people they turn to. What else is new in the world of AMP? What's what's next <laughs> you on need the list? More? <laughs> I was going to say you have you are just doing a million things in a yeah, million different that, directions. So one of the big things that I'm really excited about, um, and this is sort of backroom stuff, but it has a huge potential to serving our members. Um, the associations, the two associations, had different um, IT infrastructures behind them. Uh, 
SSPC was based on a NetSuite model. We were on Microsoft model. Um, they didn't talk. They don't talk to each other. They don't like each other. Uh, so we have just, our board's just approved the funding of a new association management system. It'll be state-of-the-art, a new financial management system. But the one I'm really excited about is content management system. And this is totally new to both organizations. Neither of them had this capability. So these organizations have, between the two of them, 150 years worth of content that has been generated. And the one thing about our industry, that older content's still very, very relative. Right. Um, but go try to find it or try to repurpose it or dig it out. Um, we just didn't have a system or a methodology to do it. When we were, when we were pitching this, um, we said what we're trying to create is what it would be like when you go to a library, like you go to your university library and you have a Dewey Decimal System and a, a searching function and books are well organized on a shelf and you, you, know, you look it up and you can find the book in two minutes or two seconds. Um, we had more like a warehouse that has all the boxes dumped in on the floor. Somewhere in there among all those cardboard boxes that are unlabeled and unmarked is the paper you need, but go find it. We're trying to create now that we'll have this really well-organized system that's going to allow us to make it much easier for our members and, and honestly, beyond members, uh, even non-members or you know, people in academia, the industry itself, to find that content and put it to use. It's, it's a multi-year project. We're not going to have it tomorrow. We're not going to have it by the end of the year. Um, but we'll continue to make progress. And we do, in our plans, we're hoping to have some early products out of this type of a system by the end of the year. Nobody's going to get blown away by it. Two, three years from now, you're going to see some amazing things starting to come out that make it much easier for our members to do their job and to access the information. So that's, that's a big one with a big commitment for us. Finally, last SSPC conference next year is the first ever AMP conference. How excited are you to finally have this thing all together? Oh, I'm, I, you know, and it will be, it'll be a, that'll be a flag, right? On the mountain that we're climbing, you plant that flag. I'm really excited. It's going really, really well. Um, exhibits and sponsorships have been open for a while and the, the market, the industry have responded tremendously positive. Um, we're do, it's in San Antonio, which I'm really pleased with because um, let's just be honest, Texas is a little more liberal when it comes to, or open to when it comes to, maybe liberal wasn't the right word, conservative, but meaning open to not putting the restrictions on. And, and that's a good thing. Um, we're, we do pray that, you know, we don't have a horrible breakout, but right now it looks to be really strong. Registration just opened uh, right before Thanksgiving. It's looking really good as well. I, um, we're, we're excited to be there. You can feel the energy building for it. And, um, I know that we're going to put on a heck of a show for, for our industry. And San Antonio is a great city, so it's a great place to come and bring your families and a lot of good things to do there as well. So I, I, I can't be more excited. I am really looking forward to those days. Awesome. Well, Bob Chalker, I really appreciate you taking the time during your conference to sit down and give us an update on where the organization's at. Happy to do it anytime. So thank you for giving me the time to tell our story. So that's helpful as well. I appreciate all through this you guys have been available to – to let us share what's happening. And we've made such a commitment to communication, but it's so hard to reach everybody. So outlets like yours help us reach that, uh, our, our, our audience, our members. So thank you. Remember, you can always connect with us by going to our website, mcguireiron.com. You can ask questions by sending us an email at info at mcguireiron.com. Or you can follow or reach out to us on any of our social media platforms. 
We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Thank you for joining us on the McGuire Iron Podcast.